welcome to the Fit Mom Life to the Fullest podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. Hi, welcome. I'm so happy you're here today, and we are back with a Q&A. Thank you so much for your questions. You can send them to me anytime at fitmomlifetothefullest at gmail.com or over on Instagram at fitmomlifetothefullest. I appreciate them. I take all of your questions and either make them into a full episode or then I get a lot of ones that I think that I can answer pretty quickly. We'll see how I do and throw them together for a good old Q&A. So thank you very much, all of you who submitted these questions. And we're going to hop into it. If you're a brand new listener, you can find out more about me and what I offer at fitmomlifetothefullest.com. If you're with me all the time, thanks for hanging out. Here we go. All right. Number one was somebody who would, quote unquote, love to hear some back strengthening exercises. Yes. I was very excited to hear this question because I used to love training legs. Legs was always my favorite. And then I just absolutely fell in love with back exercises and I do love training back. That might be my top. I've also had to pepper it on down because I like it so much. It is an area that I easily put muscle on in. And I'm like, okay, we got to back off the loving training back and not do it maybe three times a week, Brittany, because that's not exactly aligned with your physicals. But um, here we go. For someone who is looking to really add strength and add muscle, Basically, your your back has a ton of different muscle groups in it, but I'm going to make it very simple with two quote-unquote main groups, which is your lats that, and your rhomboids. That's pretty much what we're going to focus on. You have your traps, which is your upper back, which picture that as like almost your neck muscles, and most women do not want to work those or are not really interested in strengthening them, but most women do want to strengthen their lats, which if you put your fingers like kind of under your ribs and follow them down. They wrap into your obliques. So this is typically a real focus area for women because a lot of times when they say like they want to work their love handles or, you know, muffin top or whatever you want to call it, it's usually not just, you're not going to solve it by working just your obliques. You're going to want to also work your lats, defining your lats. And obviously general fat loss is going to help show them off kind of a thing. But having them defined is going to leave something to show there. It's going to kind of give you that like cinched waist. But also, and I know that the person who wrote this was um, looking for more than just like the aesthetics of having a strong back, but but truly the function of having a strong back. So both both are necessary. The lats, then the rhomboids is more of your mid back. So what you want to do to work both of them are including two different kind of exercises. You want to include vertical pulls as well as horizontal pulls. And this is why a lot of times I'm encouraging clients to buy a pull-up bar. If you do not have something that you can anchor a band to that is up above you, a lot of times you can get like a set of resistance bands with a door jam. So you can put it in your door, like a closed door, and that'll work if you don't have a TRX or you don't have a pull-up bar. But otherwise, it's really hard to get a vertical pull in there. Just try, try to be creative. You can look around your house, or your, especially now in this nicer weather, like outside using a swing set. In my basement, I have a beam that I wrap a band around. Um, again, maybe door jams would work well for you, but you want to inc- include vertical exercises such as banded lat pull-downs. I love that. It's probably my favorite one. If you have a TRX, you could do... Uh, they're basically, I still call them banded lat 
or TRX lat pull-ups or TRX pull-ups where you are kind of in a seated position, your arms are up extended and your hips are back farther than your shoulders and you are kind of doing an assisted pull-ups. Your heel, your heels are on the ground. So another one would be like banded chin-ups or banded pull-ups. Those are all your vertical pulls. They're going to engage your lats as well as your rhomboids. So I love those exercises. And then the horizontal pulls are also important. Banded rows would fit this category. Pretty much all your row variations. You can anchor a band to an anchor point and then just row towards your body with it kind of right across from, you want it across from the muscles you're working. So you'd want it like between chest and belly button. Dumbbell unilateral rows where you are putting a hand on a bench step or chair and you're rowing one arm at a time. And it's not your arm, you're starting it from your back. So even though your bicep is coming through to help it in a little bit of rear delt, your back is initiating the movement. And that's very important. And all of these, whether you're doing vertical or horizontal rows to or a vertical pull or horizontal row is to initiate it from your back. I focus on this a lot in my videos, especially in the Chasing Greatness group, where I'm showing like this is where it's coming from, not just you're not pulling from your arms. Because sometimes you look at something, even looking at a demo, and it just looks like, oh, okay, so I pull this with my arms. No, if your arms are getting way tired before your back, then either we need to like prime your back more so that it kicks in, an example of this would be doing some easy light warm-up banded lat pull-downs before going to your pull-ups so that your lats are activated and ready for the work. Back to a couple more examples of rows, though. I, I said banded rows and unilateral rows with a dumbbell. You could do TRX rows, barbell rows, band pull-aparts. I really like the combination of using big compound exercises like pull-up or like a TRX row or something, which means you're using by compound exercise, I mean that you are using many muscle groups at once. And then also including some accessory lat work like dumbbell lat pullovers or band pull-aparts. And that's kind of more like isolation or accessory work, but you're going to get way more bang for your buck with the big compound movements. So also if you're looking to strengthen your back, I would suggest hitting it twice a week. If you only hit it once a week, it's going to take a lot longer to strengthen it. And I love that you are invested in strengthening your back because this is such an area that a lot of times it's like, oh, I just need to strengthen my core. Yes, a strong core can complement and work together with your back, but also maybe you just have a weak back and you need to strengthen it because you are going to learn from doing these exercises how to hold your posture better, how to pull from your back, not with your arms and twist your back in real life activities, right? When you're getting a kid out of the car, when you are I don't know, pulling on something. We do it a lot. I'm thinking about like all this yard work right now because it's again that seasonal time. The other day I was trying to push my tractor because it was stuck in my yard and I actually had to, the back wheels weren't moving, but the front wheels were or something like that. So I had to pull it from the back and I was like, this is literally like a sled pull right now. So I love that you're interested in strengthening your back and it can be really an overlooked muscle group a lot of the time because most of us are more worried about the front of the core. Okay, number two, is it true, this one's interesting, if you eat carbs before a workout, your body burns less fat because it's burning carbs? Does it prevent burning fat? Okay, always these questions are coming from my opinion, and no, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but in Brittany's opinion, <laughs> no, there is not enough science, in my opinion, that benefit, that that supports this claim that if 
you don't have carbs in your system, your body will go to fat more likely. Um, I know in intermittent fasting and fasted cardio are both big trends. And fasted cardio just means like literally doing cardio first thing when you wake up, whether that's only been an eight-hour fast or a longer fast, whatever. And there have been claims that it burns more fat, but there you can go ahead definitely. Obviously, whoever asked this question can feel free to do their own research. But in all the research I have done, there's a lot of conflicting research, but nothing is solid proving it that, yes, you definitely burn more fat. Um, you're going to burn fat when you are in a calorie deficit, when you are taking in less than you're burning, and when you are strength training, firstly, and then getting your body to work for you in burning more calories just even when you're at rest because muscle burns more calories than fat. And then, yes, cardio can be involved in this as well, maybe hit a couple times a week. Or if you're doing a really vigorous strength training program, maybe it's going to be LIS instead, which is low intensity steady state. But what carbs and fat are in your system are not as big a factor as some people think and does not mean that if you eat less carbs or don't eat carbs for your workout that you're going to burn fat. It's just so far does not look like that is how things work. So I would just continue eating a balanced, you know, a balanced plate is what I would advise at all of your meals, a carb as your macros would allow, or, you know, if you're eating intuitively, you know roughly how many carbs you need throughout the day, but all of your meals should have half a plate of vegetables. So you're hitting that three to five servings of vegetables a day, a good serving of protein, a healthy fat, and then a complex carb, again, as it fits your day. And this kind of leads into the next question. So that's just what your meals should look like. So I wouldn't alter that at all based on, you know, your workout. I did just do a podcast episode about the timing of your meals before and after workout, where if it's directly before a workout or after a workout, I actually usually advise you to have straight carbs right before you work out so that you get some energy to put into the workout. Because the more output you have in your workout, is it matters more like what happens after the workout than during the workout itself. That's a very, um, it's a very diet mentality way of thinking. And I used to think like this too. So I'm not at all shaming it or knocking it. I am knocking it because it's not accurate, but I'm not shaming you for thinking this way. When I first started working out, I would hop on the elliptical and I would stare, I'd pick like whatever fat burn option there was. And then I would stare at the amount of calories burned until I got off and be like, yes, I just burned 300 calories. So now I'm going to probably lose a pound because a pound is 500 calories burned. Yes, that part is true that it takes 500 calories being burned to lose a pound of fat. I think I'm even messing that stat up. 1,500 calories. So maybe you need to lose, burn 500 extra, you know, three times that week. Where's my math at? Um, don't, don't trust me on that stat. I didn't pre-look that up clearly before this episode, but Yes, you need to be burning more than you're taking in. However, doing the calories in, calories out thing only works if you're going to literally burn off everything you eat from now until you die, which sounds kind of awful to think like, oh, I'm going to eat this piece of cake and then I'm going to run six miles tomorrow. The other way to look at things, the other way to do it is not care so much about how many calories you've quote unquote burned in your actual workout, but it's what your body does after. There's actually a ton of fitness programs that are based off of this like orange theory's entire platform is based off this the calories that you're going to burn after your workout and 
whatnot. So, and a lot of them are like this, the afterburn it'll be called or whatever. But it's, it's more close to accurate that it's more about the body you are creating, your, your physical composition changing than it is about just those calories that you're leaving on the floor during that workout. Because typically, if you are looking at cardio or you're looking at strength training, just session for session, you're usually going to burn more in a cardio session than you would lifting weights. But lifting weights is like the longer investment strategy because you are putting in the same amount of work or whatever or less work, I feel like it is to lift weights than to do cardio, but that's just me. And then your body continues working for you after that. Your muscle as you sleep is repairing and growing back stronger. And then that muscle is burning calories for you when you're just at rest. Like you're building the machine. You're basically building a machine to run for you passively that you don't have to like operate all the time. So it's a really beautiful thing. But this does lead into the next question. So the next question was what to eat before a workout. Then I thought this was cool because you gave me options. Thank you. They said, if you were at a convenience store with P3 protein pack, which is nuts, turkey, and cheese, a Cliff Bar, or an, an apple or muscle milk, so four options, that protein pack, Cliff Bar, apple or muscle milk, and you needed a, a snack before workout, what would you pick? Okay. Firstly, and I talked about this a little bit in the what to eat before and after a workout recent podcast episode. But firstly, you may not need a pre-workout snack, okay? If you are coming most recently off a meal, like you had a, a full balanced meal just two or three hours ago and you still feel pretty satiated from that, like you're not starving or having actual hunger pains, then you're fine. Go do your workout and you already had a good balance in your bloodstream. You're going to have energy. You're good to go. However, if you do really need a snack and it's been, you know, a couple hours from your last meal or you had a lighter meal, you need a little something to take or you're going to have a longer workout. Um, this is like when I know my workout's going to be longer than an hour if I know, which is like never <laughs> anymore, <laughs> except for when I go for long runs. But I'm thinking back to when I would leave my full-time teaching job and I would drive to the gym to teach group fitness classes and then train clients. And I, if I had my lunch period at like 12 o'clock, and I had my first client at 4.30, and I knew I had to teach classes from 5.30 to 7 or 5.30 to 7.30, like a couple hours of physical exercise, then I would make sure I had a snack in that window. So if you do really truly need a snack, what I would suggest is grabbing the apple for before your workout and then the muscle milk for after. Only if, again, you're not about to have a meal pretty soon after. If you're going to have a meal after, you don't need to shove protein down your throat. You can just wait till you eat your meal which again should be hopefully a balanced meal of protein, veggies, healthy fat, and complex carbs. Sometimes we can really over snack and over supplement ourselves and think like, okay, I'm doing a workout. I need like a pre-workout snack and I need my post-workout protein. And sometimes we're just taking in way more calories than the workout needed, than we need. And we're, it would be better off to just like not even do the workout and not have all these extra foods. Sometimes truly it's always good to have movement in there. And that's a definite uh, positive, but sometimes like, I, and I referenced this, I think on the um, what to eat before and after workout podcast, but I noticed that in the running world when it's like, man, you go for, you run a 5k and they're giving you Gatorade and bagels and bananas and like, okay, you just took in 
120 grams of carbs after you ran three miles. Like that wasn't necessary. Three miles is not an obscene amount to then really need to make up. Like your glycogen stores are still pretty good. (laughs) They didn't take that much of a hit. And I'm not like making fun of three miles. Three miles is three miles. I could not run three miles after this last baby. I had to rebuild up from the ground up of walking a mile and then running a mile. I get it. I'm not knocking the distance. But we need to fuel ourselves appropriately. And sometimes I think we weigh air on the side of like, whoa, over fueling. Okay. All right. Next up. Love this one too. I thought, and this is the last question I'm going to use today. I thought HIT was best for fat loss. I'm a busy mom, so time is tight. Is an hour walk or HIT better for fat loss? Okay, firstly, here's my little disclaimer. You do need to factor the rest of your training into this. So for me to just say, yep, this one's better, is a little tough out, you know, hearing just even snippets of like, okay, I know that you're a busy mom, so you're looking for less time. So that definitely already sways me to HIT, but... And here's the caveat, like what what else are you doing? What are your other workouts look like? So because in like the Chasing Greatness group, for example, that's my monthly subscription group where you get brand new workouts every month. This changes. And those of you who are listening, you know this and have seen this, that some months we have done low rep range. So like six to eight reps of something heavy, 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 heavy as you can lift And then we're not going to be hammering hit because your joints are taking a lot of impact. You are like hopefully leaving yourself absolutely depleted after these sessions. So that's when we incorporated like, for example, that that walk. I'm not saying necessarily it's be an hour, but that's where I would go with the walk over the hit. um, Even if you're going for fat loss, because you just can't put that much stress on your body. However, for the general population and then what I do in my eight-week beginner challenge because pretty much everybody coming into the eight-week beginner challenge is looking for fat loss. We do, we prioritize strength training. There's five strength trainings a week, but we do utilize HIT for exactly this reason. Most women would rather get the most bang for their buck in the least amount of time. So While you might burn the same amount of calories, which might lead to the same fat loss or whatever from doing a half hour running, let's say, or a half hour biking, if you could do intervals in literally a third of the time, and usually less than that, it's usually about six minutes, why would you not (laughs) in my book for those of us who, you know, have that's a high priority to, to do things in less time. So HIT, there is a lot of research to back up that HIT is superior for fat loss. And that's something that I have come out on the podcast and supported. It's in like my very first couple episodes, like the three keys to fat loss. The HIT is definitely on there. Utilizing HIT is on there. However, sometimes the walk has its place. The low intensity, steady state cardio has its place based on the rest of your training. But for you, the average person who is looking for fat loss, what I would tell you is to do your strength training workouts in a way that you're not absolutely depleted. It's kind of more middle of the road. You're building muscle, but you're not totally just out to build all the muscle you can. And then you can utilize it two to three times a week. You can get it done in less time. And then my advice to you is just to really push hard in those intervals. That's supposed to be the point. 
in your work intervals, you're supposed to be like not able to carry on a conversation. You're supposed to be working at maximum capacity. And then on your rest, you're kind of actively moving. So you don't want to just stop. So say doing 30 seconds of a really hard row or like a sprint up a hill. And then you're at the top in 30 seconds, just kind of jogging in place or walking around and doing that for three to five rounds is sometimes all it takes to make sure that you are working at your max capacity there. Okay, you can also lose fat just by strength training and really dialing in your nutrition. So sometimes cardio does not even need to be a part of fat loss, but if you enjoy cardio and you want it to be a part of your routine for the endorphins you feel after it, or sometimes you just like getting that good sweat, I'll hear that a lot from people and I totally get it. That's me as well. I do like to have like at least one good like sweat a week where it's usually, if I'm not training for something like, it's usually no more than 20 minutes. So whatever, if I also would factor that in too. Which do you like better? Right now it sounds like even if you liked an hour walk better, HIT is probably going to be what gets done because you said that you're busy. So if HIT works better in your schedule, that's perfect. Tack it on the end of your strength training workouts. One to two days a week is fine, two to three maximum, and you'll just accelerate your fat loss. It'll be great. Okay? <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for your questions, and I will talk to you all next episode. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.